0: Alright, so for the third movie in our Theater and Theology series, I decided we were going to look at Frozen 2 this week. Now, Frozen 2 is obviously the follow-up movie to the 2013 unbelievably popular movie Frozen. Now, Christine and I, we actually lived in Southern California during the height of Frozen mania. And honestly, one of our favorite things to do was to go to Disneyland and just count Elsas. On a busy Saturday it would not be unheard of to get into the 50s of little kids dressed as Elsa. It was insane. But so this movie is a follow-up to that one. This movie tells the story of sisters Elsa and Anna and their journey out of their kingdom into the unknown lands answering the call of a mysterious voice. Their adventure leads them through enchanted forests, across dark seas. Eventually they learn that this is a journey really about family history and a time of self-discovery. Now, Frozen 2 only came out November of last year, so not that long ago. As such, I'm not going to be discussing a lot about the plot of it. I don't want to spoil that for people who might not have seen it yet. I'm going to touch on a few things, but for the most part, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers. But leading up to the movie, one of the reoccurring themes in the promotional material was the idea of doing the next right thing. In the movie itself, we first see this notion very early on when Elsa hears this mysterious music calling to her. She's unsure who it is and is totally confused about why it's calling to her. But somehow she's drawn to follow it. She's drawn to do the next right thing. Now, this idea of the next right thing isn't really new, revolutionary, or groundbreaking. I mean, this is an idea that has been around for a long time. The, the notion of trying not to get overwhelmed by the whole is pretty common, right? That That's the thing we've heard before. In fact, in Christian circles, it's become popular to refer to this style of thinking as the mantra, the next faithful step. Yeah. There are countless sayings that talk about this idea. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. You know, my little iPod shuffle that I'm still rocking when I run, because it, apparently it's 2008, on the back of it is engraved with the phrase, one step at a time. You know, it's, it's just getting to this idea that every step I take, I get a little bit less fat. You know, it's, it's thinking about it in those small terms. And this is all sounds perfectly logical, right? This is an idea that really no one's going to argue against, right? You can't put a puzzle together all at once. You have to put one piece in at a time. If you're normal, you start with the border and go in. If you're a complete madman, you just go willy-nilly at it. It doesn't matter, but you're, you're doing it one piece at a time. But what happens when we don't even know where the pieces are? or don't have the first idea what piece to grab, or can't even bring ourselves to grab a piece. We don't have the strength, the emotional fortitude, whatever it is, we just can't bring ourselves to grab a single piece. This notion of taking things one step at a time becomes exponentially more difficult when depression comes into the picture when circumstances around us swirl so much out of our control that we feel like we're lost in the middle. That we'll never be able to get out. And this idea is highlighted in Frozen 2 amazingly well. So not only is the next right thing a repeated line and theme throughout the movie but is also in my view the title of the best song in the movie. I know that might, might be controversial because most people love Elsa's song and it's hard to go against Adia Mandel, but to me this song is the best in the movie. And if you've watched our YouTube playlist of worship music this week, you might have been confused as to why I included this song, The Next Right Thing, at the end of that playlist. And I did that because I wanted everyone to hear it. Because to me it's this song that is the central heart the key moment of the movie. Now I said I wasn't going to talk much about the plot of the movie, but I do need to set the stage for a little bit of what's going on when this song is sung, for the context into which this song happens in the movie. So I'm going to spoil a little bit, but I have a handy little spoiler sign here. So as I'm talking I will hold up the spoiler sign when I'm talking spoilers, and I'll take it down when I'm done. If you're listening to the audio version of this, I will put time codes in the show notes so you'll know where to skip. So, I, I, I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone. Um, if you want to maintain, be spoiler free, just know that this song is sung at the narrative low point of the, of the movie. We can kind of go from there. So, spoiler time. In three, two, one. Spoiler sign is up. Can you see the sign in frame, Christine? Alright. Spoiler sign's up. So, this song is sung toward the end of the movie. It's the low point at the movie, it's at that break between the second and third act, right? Your kind of narrative low point. Anna is at an all-time low. She is lost in a series of underground caves. She thinks her boyfriend has betrayed her. She thinks her sister, Elsa, is dead. And she has just watched her best friend, the magical snowman, Olaf, die in front of her. Almost in a ham-fisted literary picture, she actually throws herself onto the rock bottom of a cave floor. She is there crying without any hope. And this is when she sings this song. Uh, Funny, a couple articles that I read talking about this movie referred to this scene as Anna's Gethsemane, referencing Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was betrayed and murdered. So that That's the level of mindset we're in right now. But it's at this moment that she sings this song, The Next Right Thing. It's here, at her most depressed, that she is reminded of the mantra, The Next Faithful Step. And it's at this moment that she steps out, physically actually, into the light, and I think becomes the hero of the story. Most people think Elsa is... I think this is Anna's movie. Anna's the hero of this story to me. All right, so I'm going to put the spoiler sign down. Spoiler time is over. All right. So the notion of even taking a single step when we are at our lowest is a theme that is really repeated in the biblical text quite a few times. Perhaps one of my favorites comes from Psalm 119. Now, psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. It clocks in at a behemoth 176 verses. So it is a beefy boy. Now I bet some of you, most of you probably, know verse 105. It's, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's probably the, maybe the most well-known verse of this song. And we're going to touch on that in a second. First I want to jump back a few verses. I want to get us into the headspace of our psalmist, to kind of get us to see the world in which the psalmist is crying out, singing this psalm into. So if you have your Bibles with me, turn back a few verses to verse 82. So we're going to be reading from Psalm 119 starting in verse 82. My eyes fall with watching for your promise. My eyes fail, not fall. My eyes fail. With watching for your promise. When will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke. Yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pitfalls for me, they flout your laws. All your commandments I am enduring. I am persecuted without cause. Help me. They almost make me an end on the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. So we, we have a psalmist here who is really someone who is describing being pushed to the absolute end of their rope. But this is someone that, despite everything they've gone through, is trying to remain faithful. But you can see they're starting to maybe lose hope for that future fate. This is someone who has endured watching and waiting for the Lord to show up, even to the point of their eyes failing, right? From a a literary metaphorical sense, they have gone blind watching the horizon for the hope of Jesus, for for the hope of the Lord, and it hasn't come. This is the point of their exasperation. They are crying out, when will you comfort me? Now, me personally, I read this line as almost anger. I have gone blind waiting for you, and you haven't shown up yet. Are you ever going to comfort me? So how can the same psalmist go from this to your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? These two parts of the psalm really seem to be in conflict. How can someone going through so much, crying out so desperately, potentially even angrily, also simply and plainly state that the word of the Lord is a lamp to them? I think some of this disconnect might come from what we visualize when we hear the phrase lamp to my feet. When you hear that, what do you picture? Do you picture a big old Coleman lantern? Something like this? Oh yeah, I have props today. Do you picture something like this? Or maybe like a big Megalite, you know, something that's going to light up a lot. The, the problem with both of these is they make too much light. Remember, this is the line of poetry written thousands and thousands of years ago. In the ancient Near East, the lamps didn't put out nearly as much light as our big beefy Coleman lanterns do. These were small oil lamps. They would create a ring of light really not much further than a foot or two around them. And it wasn't even that bright of a light. Meaning that in a very, very literal sense, these were lamps for your feet. They were to make sure you could see your next step. They weren't meant to illuminate everything around you. Only what you needed to see to take your next step with confidence. So our psalmist has gone through a lot. is crying out in depression. But our psalmist also knows that God will remain faithful. So when they say that the word is a lamp unto their feet, they mean just that that it will illuminate my next step. It'll give me guidance to take that next faithful step. It'll give me guidance to do the next right thing. This is our psalmist way of not being overwhelmed with everything going on around them. As a passage we read, when they look at the whole, they're getting overwhelmed. They become depressed. They're crying out. There's too much going on. So if they focus on each individual step and allowing the Word of God to direct just one step forward, that's how they can weather. That's how they can endure everything that's going on. That's how you can have the desperate cry of the passage we read also paired with the hopeful notion that the Word of God is a lamp for our feet. That's how the psalmist is remaining faithful in the light of everything going on. Now, I want to read a couple lines from the song, The Next Right Thing. Uh, this, This passage comes from decently early in the song. So here it goes. This grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, You are lost. Your hope is gone. But you must go on. And do the next right thing. Now, for us, as Christians, this line has a slightly different connotation than perhaps the movie intended. For us, we know that whispering voice to be the voice of God. So, in our deepest pits, God can say to us, You may think you are lost, you may think. You have lost all hope. But God can tell us, I know exactly where you are, so you never have to lose hope. See, we can cling to hope because that tiny voice whispering in our mind is the voice of the all-powerful God, the creator of everything, the same God who ordered the stars, the same God who is the beginning and the end. That is that small voice urging us on to take the next faithful step. That's the voice urging us on to do the next right thing. So we never are actually lost. Our hope is never actually gone because that voice urging us on is our God. Now, honestly, sometimes it might be better for us to not actually know God's entire plan and that sounds weird, but think about where you are right now. The location you're living, maybe the job you have, the school you're at, the partner you have or do not have, where, everything about your life right now. Think about all the steps that led you to the point you're at right now. How many of those steps would you have mapped and planned out like they happened? How many of those steps say, five, ten years ago, you would not have thought possible. Or, you would honestly rather have not gone through to get to where you are now. I know for me, if ten years ago someone had told me what I would be doing today, where I would be, where I'd be living, all of that, I would have laughed in their face. And then, even more, if you had told me to get to the point where I am, I would have had to have gone through three career changes, been let go from two jobs, moved back and forth across the country several times. That would have been a hard pass for me. But this is where the idea of the next faithful step comes in. Sometimes we don't know the end goal. Most of the time, honestly, we don't know what God has planned for us. So all we can do is trust have faith, and let God direct us one step at a time. Take the next faithful step. We don't know what to do, we just have to do the next right thing. We can think of Jesus' words from Matthew. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is Jesusically Basically, This is Jesus basically saying take things one day at a time, one problem at a time, one stress at a time, one episode at a time, one thing at a time. Now this is by no means an easy thing, right? It sounds like one of those things, of course, yeah, just take one thing at a time, it'll be great. That's hard to do in practice. Think about it. If you are someone who loves to plan, kind of a control freak. Me. And Christine's pointing at herself, too. We are both very much, we like having the full plan laid out. It can be immeasurably difficult to not know what that end goal or what that end destination is. And honestly, that's why a passage like the Matthew one can be so frustrating. Because they make it sound so easy. But it takes work. Or maybe when you are in the depths of depression. The very notion that one day you'll be standing on top of a mountain, you'll be in a new location, you'll be out of your wilderness, to use some of the phraseology from a while ago. That can be so daunting. It can feel so far away, it physically hurts. But we are lucky enough to serve a God that loves us enough to walk alongside us. We are lucky enough to be loved by a God that is compassionate enough to know that we can't do it all at once, or honestly, to even take a single step on our own. We have a God who makes firm our next steps, who reminds us to focus on today and let tomorrow focus on itself. We have a God who gave us words, gave us the word of God, To illuminate our feet one step at a time to show us where our next footfall should land. So the next time you are feeling completely overwhelmed by life, honestly it could be right now with everything that's going on. You feel overwhelmed with everything you've read, everything you see. Does it just become too much? Are you maybe not sure where to go? Or even if you did know where you were going, how to even get there. Just know that that is perfectly all right. That's normal. We don't need to know the end goal. Or, honestly, really how to get there. Because God knows that. And God will direct us. All we have to do is listen. All we need to do is be like Anna in that cave. That's not a spoiler, there's nothing going on there. All we need to do is to have enough faith to stand up. All we need to do is take one step. All we need to do is do the next right thing. And if we do that, you might be amazed where God ends up taking you. Join me as we pray. Dear Lord, we come humbly before you. Thank you for being a God who compassionately loves us, who earnestly cares for us, and who has wonderful plans for our lives and wants to come alongside of us to help guide us through, to walk with us along that path, to get to that fruitful, amazing future you have planned. And Lord, we just ask that when things become overwhelming, when we feel like our head is swirling or that we're being pulled down, we can remember that you've promised to come alongside of us. We can remember that your word is a lamp to our feet. We can remember to just focus on today and have confidence that you will show us where to put one foot in front of the other. We can have confidence that you will pull us, guide us to the wonderful future you have planned. We ask all this in your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. If you want more information on Rivertree or want to reach out to me, our website is linked in the description here below. And I would love to hear from you. So until next time, I will see you all later. Goodbye. Have a wonderful day.